0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Therapy isn't for when you're at rock bottom. It can help you avoid hitting rock bottom. Life can be hard, but having tools to cope will help when curveballs are thrown your way. Visit betterhelp.com/super and learn the tools to help you navigate when things get Hard. Hey, brother. Guys, what if Remus Lupin was never bitten by Fenrir Greyback as a child and therefore never became a werewolf? It's a small detail overall and feels pretty far removed from Harry Potter and the rest of the overall plot, but the fact that Lupin is a werewolf is the primary motivator for the Marauders becoming Animagus. And without that, what does it mean for Harry's Patronus, which obviously takes the form of a stag, very famously. Plus, Peter's ability to turn into a rat is what allows him to escape him and Sirius' duel after the Potter's death. And again, even fast forwarding to Prisoner of Azkaban, if he can't transform into a rat, does he get away? Is Sirius just set free? If Peter doesn't escape here, does Voldemort never rise again? Or is it possible the entire wizarding world would actually be worse off if he never became a werewolf? So many fun questions, so today we are going to explore what if Lupin had never been bitten? kick off with a small but interesting history lesson about why Remus John Lupin was a target of Fenrir Greyback in the first place. It's not actually explained in the books how this came to happen, but in the ebook, Heroism, Hardship, and Dangerous Hobbies, we get a really good explanation. Lupin's father, Lyle, worked for the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures and first encountered a young Fenrir Greyback when he was brought in on suspicion of being a werewolf. From this same text, we also know that the werewolf registry was not very well maintained and that Fenrir was savvy enough to basically plead ignorance in this particular situation, claiming he is nothing more than a muggle tramp who was utterly amazed at finding himself in a room full of wizards and horrified by the talk about the poor dead children. However, Lyle, who knew the signs of a werewolf better than his co workers, was still fairly certain that Fenrir was in fact a werewolf and insisted that he be kept in for 24 hours until the next full moon. His co workers, however, disagreed, and while they were preparing to let him go, Fenrir was able to overhear how Lyle actually feels about werewolves. He says, they're soulless, evil, deserving nothing but death. And death is a sentence that we know that this department is capable of carrying out, thanks to Prisoner of Azkaban, where Buckbeak is sentenced to this very thing after just, you know, gently grazing Draco with one of his razor sharp talons. That's killed me. Obviously, Fenrir does not take very nicely to this particular sentiment, and upon his release, sets out to seek vengeance against the man who basically sought the death penalty against him. And the way that he does this is, of course, by attacking his son, Remus John Lupin, and turning him into a werewolf. So in order for Lupin to not be bitten in this particular situation, the only thing that we really need to tweak at all is that Lyle's coworkers just take him at his word and hold Fenrir for 24 hours for additional questioning and ultimately discover that he is in fact a werewolf. And basically what we would argue is that if this ultimately happened, that there would just be enough protection and regulation involved that, He would never really get the opportunity to ultimately attack Remus, and he would just end up not being a werewolf. And more than likely, based on how Lyle feels towards werewolves, Fenrir would also have been sentenced to death. This small change would have pretty massive implications for Lupin as we know him pretty much immediately. Normally after discovering that his son is in fact a werewolf, Lyle pretty much prevents Remus from ever getting to spend any time around other children out of fear of what potentially could happen. If this doesn't happen, then the boy that we see some years later at Hogwarts is going to be a lot less starved for friendship and is otherwise just incredibly smart and talented at magic and probably has a relationship much more similar to that of James and serious. So instead of it just being the two most talented boys of their year who are extremely good at everything and very well liked, it would have been three of them. And Peter. But even more importantly is the fact that so much of their time around school revolved around the fact that Lupin was in fact a werewolf. The other three would quite literally spend years of their time at school becoming Animagus so that when Lupin was in werewolf form, they could make the time a lot more passable if not just actually fun. But since he's not a werewolf, the other three, who I absolutely think would all still be friends, just don't end up becoming Animagus. There would also be no specific need to plant something like the Whomping Willow or the Shrieking Shack, which are basically there exclusively for Lupin's benefit. A detail that, by the way, would totally have a pretty significant impact on Harry and Ron, who pretty much rely on that Whomping Willow for crash landing a Fort Anglia but we'll come back to that. In the meantime, though, I think we can start to draw other assumptions based on what we know about Lupin and where he might have gone during his time post-Hogwarts. First of all, we know that in the main storyline, Lupin typically struggles to find work because most businesses are not that quick to hire a known werewolf. In this particular scenario, though, Lupin doesn't end up having this particular problem. Instead, he's a very patient, very talented person who I can almost guarantee where he would have landed. None other than the Auror's office. We know that Lupin absolutely has an affinity for Defense Against the Dark Arts, and as it stands in the normal story, he graduates during the middle of the First Wizarding War and is very quick to join the Order of the Phoenix. Plus, we also know that his eventual wife is an aura, and he ends up teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts at Hogwarts as well. And just given the need for people in this particular profession at this specific time in history, it just makes sense. During this time, the prophecy would have course, still happen, and Voldemort would mark Lily and James' son as his equal, and they would be forced into hiding. Peter would still give them up after becoming the secret keeper at Sirius' recommendation. And here's where we finally stumble across our first really big change to the story, which is going to take place the day after the Potters have been killed. Usually, Sirius hunts Peter down, knowing that he was the one to portray James and Lily. Peter gets the jump on him, though, blows up a street, kills 12 muggles, and is able to escape through his ability to transform into a rat, but this time, he can't transform. I have no doubt that Peter still probably gets the jump on him given this particular situation, probably still blows up the street and kills all of the muggles, but I think after that and his inability to escape, Sirius's superior skill would start to take over and he would win. And by win, I mean in this particular instance, Sirius would actually kill Peter. And this would actually make a pretty big difference for Sirius himself during his time at Azkaban because typically it's the fact that he's completely innocent of the crime that he was accused of that prevents him from being so affected by the Dementors during his time there. But this time he actually is guilty. He did kill Peter. It's also worth noting that during this particular time, Sirius would not be an Animagus, would not be able to transform into a dog, which ultimately is what allows him to get past the Dementors, but more on that later. All in all though, what you would end up with is a situation where Remus is the last man standing, where all of his best friends have just been killed in different ways, and 100% would believe that Sirius is to blame for all of it. Which, to be fair, is actually pretty much what Lupin believes in the normal story, but the difference this time is that Lupin is or. And did I mention straight up So when the time comes to haul in Sirius's cousin, Bellatrix, guess who's on that job? They would still get the long bottoms, but it would be Lupin who ultimately brings in Bellatrix, Rodolphus, Robaston, and Barty Crouch Jr. You know, I like to think that he did it all by himself. I mean, maybe he had help, but. Maybe not. I don't get to make the decisions here, guys. I'm just making it up as I go, 100% accurately. This would be the last major thing to happen for some years as the Dark Lord has, of course, fallen and most of his key followers have been rounded up. It is worth noting that during this time that the Weasleys would not come into possession of Scabbers, which would mean that Percy would start his first year of Hogwarts not having a pet rat, which might mean he's a little bit more tolerable. I happen to be a school prefect. But also, I'm not holding my breath. It also, once again, means that in Chamber of Secrets, Ron and Harry don't have the ability to crash the Ford Anglia into the Whomping Willow, so they just simply landed on the ground and get out, and that's it. So, later on, when it would normally save them from Aragog, it can't, and they both die. And that's it, the end. Guys, as ever, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to let us know how you felt about it in the towels. I'm just kidding with you. In order for the story to go on, it basically just means that even though they weren't able to crash the car into a tree that can literally punch it in the face, uh, it still ultimately saves them later. And the story continues. I agree it is less fun, but sometimes we are where we are. Pause. What do you guys expect when you're expecting an unexpected gift? Bet you weren't expecting that question. <laughs> but you expect to feel awesome, of course, and that is exactly what the marvelous curators over at Bespoke Post deliver in their latest winter theme boxes of awesome. Bespoke Post makes such a great source for gifts for the holidays because they partner with small businesses to bring you really unique goods. So maybe you want to hang out outside, for example, but it's just a little bit too cold, and then boom, you grab the loofed lighter from the ignition box, and in seconds you've got a crackling warm fire. How cozy! No more fiddling with matches with cold hands, it's the worst. Or let's say you know somebody who needs like a cozy and handsome sweater and kachow! Really loving my energy today, just wanna let you guys know. You pick up the shawl box with this toasty Shetland wool cardigan, please and thank you. Bespoke just pretty much has everything you need this winter to stay warm and look cool. I can absolutely personally recommend their flame box, which comes with this really cool concrete indoor fireplace. I have one in my home and there's just nothing more relaxing than having this little flickering flame right in front of you around all of your holiday decorations. But if anything I just described isn't your particular bag, then not to worry because every single month, Bespoke Post comes out with awesome new curated boxes to choose from across a huge variety of different categories. It's free to sign up and you can skip or cancel at any time. And you can get 20% off your first box when you head on over to boxofawesome.com and use promo code SUPER at checkout. Again, I can't stress enough, it makes such an awesome gift to give somebody a box under the tree and then also have a subscription for them for the next couple of months so they can pick out something fun. And again, 20% off your first box when you head on over to boxofawesome.com and use promo code SUPER at checkout. One last time, boxofawesome.com, promo code SUPER at checkout. Link is in the description down below. Either which way though, Lupin would re-enter the story in Harry's third year as he always does as the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor. He would be super qualified for this job as he is in fact an or in this particular scenario and it's a move that we know Dumbledore makes anyway the very next year with Alster Moody. Lupin would arrive at Hogwarts in considerably nicer robes and probably wouldn't have to ride the train with all the kiddos in. Normally, at this point in the story, there's a bit of fear in the air given to the fact that Sirius Black has just escaped from Azkaban. But since Sirius has already killed Peter, there's no reason for him to see Peter in the newspaper and therefore escape. Either way though, some similar things are still going to happen during this time, just with a few small changes. Namely, there is of course the fact that a young Marty Crouch Jr is out in the world, having been smuggled out of Azkaban prison just a year after his incarceration. But while he was there, he still would have had the opportunity to overhear Sirius Black, who was, again, much more affected by the Dementors this time around, screaming in his sleep. Probably something along the lines of, Peter, Peter was the secret keeper, Peter, Peter. Makes me sad just to think about it. Of course, there isn't really a whole lot that Barty can do with this particular piece of information as he's pretty much just imprisoned under the Imperius curse at his dad's home anyway. This is until one day that he sees in the Daily Prophet that none other than RJ Lupin, the man who threw him into Azkaban, was going to be teaching at Hogwarts. Can't have that, he says to himself, and probably Winky, who was probably also there. Yes, it's this information that finally gives him enough power to overthrow his father's Imperious Curse and start to seek vengeance. Barty Crouch Sr., of course, realizes that his son has escaped and does, in fact, raise the red flag. He is, of course, not going to take the blame himself, though, as nobody would actually know that he had escaped from Azkaban. So instead, he blames it on the Azkaban Guards, which will henceforth be known as Dementors, because, that's how the story works. In an unexpected turn of events, it also means that Dementors are then going to be stationed at Hogwarts in the name of protecting one Harry Potter, who they all believe would be the target of Barty Crouch Jr. This is especially aided by the fact that Winky the House Health informs Barty Crouch Sr. that his son has been whispering in his sleep, he's at Hogwarts. See what he did there? It's like the same thing, but different. Almost like fate. This also means that during Harry's third year, he is especially affected by the Dementor, so Lupin still teaches him the Patronus Charm and it still takes the form of a stag. Although, given the fact that his father was never an Animagus, we're less sure why. While we're on the note of things that were going to happen no matter what, we also have Trelawney's prediction. Innocent blood shall be spilt and servant and master shall be reunited once more. Obviously, this go round, it's not going to be Wormtail because he never got that name in the first place, and also he. He's dead. Harry's year overall, it's got to be said, goes a lot smoother. For one, he's not just like seeing the Grim everywhere. Taking form of a giant spectral dog. It's among the darkest omens in our world. It's an omen of death. Okay, Bam! okay. Sirius isn't breaking into their dormitories. Ron and Hermione aren't fighting all year over Scabbers and Crookshanks because again, Scabbers isn't there. I am getting word though that Percy is unfortunately just still pretty annoying despite this so All we can say is that we really did try our best. I happen to be a school prefect. However, crafty as ever, Barty Crouch Jr. has been spending the entire year watching Lupin trying to find an opening and ultimately discovers that Harry is the obvious lure he needs to pull him out of the castle. And wouldn't you know, he ultimately finds one when Harry is out of bed when he isn't supposed to be visiting Hagrid's hut before Buckbeak's execution. Fortunately-ish for our story here, Lupin spots the fact that Harry is out of bounds on the Marauders map, which he has once again confiscated because he is once again one of the marauders in the first place. But he also sees a name that shouldn't be there, Barty Crouch Jr. Lupin then of course rushes right out of the castle in fear that Harry is going to be under attack, being just wide out in the open, and walks right into a trap. Harry, who is of course out of the castle anyway, stumbles across the scene and watches from the trees as Barty Crouch Jr. starts monologuing you know, classic villain stuff. You sly dog! You got me monologuing! Lupin, of course, who is used to situations like this, banters back and forth and says that his plan has failed and he will be headed back to Azkaban after 13 years and joining Bellatrix and her cousin. Bellatrix's cousin is, of course, serious, and with the topic of him in the air, Barty reveals, with some relish, I might add, the information that he heard in the cells all of those years ago. Peter was the secret keeper. Barty, for what it's worth, also hates Peter for thinking that his position amongst his group of friends elevated his position amongst the ranks of the Dark Lord, but that, of course, he, Barty, was his true closest and most loyal follower. Barty would, of course, have no idea what these words would actually mean to Lupin, whose guard is now temporarily down as he's just having truth bombs about his best friends reigning all around him. He's finally figured out what actually happened, as did Harry from the trees. Barty takes this moment to blast Lupin backwards and is about to finish him off when suddenly the Dementors swarm the scene. Barty is, of course, exactly who they are looking for and have now found on the grounds of Hogwarts. Barty tries to fend them off pretty unsuccessfully. However, the Dementors have now discovered the unconscious Lupin. Harry, realizing what's happening, must act. Expecto! Metronum! Love that Harry is still saving a marauder in this situation. It's just a different one, so fun. It is of course a success, the Dementors are gone. The problem is he also just successfully defended Barty Crouch, who is now missing. Barty, of course, as per the prophecy, has now fled into the night and is attempting to reunite with Voldemort. But much like how Peter ends this night in Harry's death, so does Barty Crouch. More importantly though, is the fact that Lupin now realizes that his best friend Sirius was not actually to blame for the death of Lillian James Potter and now must leave his position at Hogwarts to go and break him free of Azkaban prison. And while I think he would initially try to use his position as order to get Sirius just simply released, that unfortunately fails and he must then resort to other methods of breaking him out which is of course successful. This of course leaves him jobless and on the run with a known felon pretty much with no other plan other than waiting in the wings for whatever Harry needs next. And the next, for the most part, goes as you might expect. Lupin and Sirius find themselves in positions very similar to how we know them in the story as it is, effectively outlaws. Lupin's marriage to Tonks is otherwise a fair bit easier, and Marty Crouch Jr. is as locked and loaded as ever to go and reunite with Voldemort as president the prophecy and set up the events of Goblet of Fire. And together, I have no doubt that they can still absolutely rig the Triwizard Tournament, although without Wormtail's help, I have a feeling it's less likely that they would go after Mad-Eye Moody and potentially pull the strings from Barty Crouch Sr.'s position in his role in the Triwizard Tournament. From here though, I think it gets too difficult to really determine what might happen next or if anything would even change at all. Bertha Jorkins probably doesn't end up being killed. Bill doesn't end up being attacked by Fenrir because He's dead and therefore Lavender Brown also doesn't get attacked by him at the Battle of Hogwarts. I personally like to think that Barty Crouch Jr. who again owes a life debt to Harry at this point in time also has a situation similar to Peter's silver hand where Something happens. A moment of hesitation leads to his death. Otherwise, I want to hear from you guys. Given the new set of circumstances, do you think that there's a chance that Lupin would survive the Battle of Hogwarts? Be sure to let us know in the towel section down below. Also guys, we have a very quick 10 question survey that we would love for you to fill out to let us know what types of videos you would want in 2023. Link to that is in the description down below. But guys, as always, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you'd like some more Harry Potter action from us, you can check out this video right here where I think we all but prove that Snape is in fact a vampire. Otherwise, until next time, bye.